Hey folks, I'd like to introduce you guys to a new show. Now it's debuting on my podcast right now, the Local Anxiety Podcast. But this is Tom's new segment. We recorded many of these, and I really hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Local Anxiety Podcast. My name is James Kasha, and today I have an exciting guest, my friend Tom Dutta. And today we're going to be doing something called the Heavy Mental Podcast, Riffing with Tom Dutta. And today I introduce my friend, Tom. James, good to be on your show. I love the the Local Anxiety Podcast. In fact, I, I love it so much. I, I listened to you talking about mental health and sharing stories. And I thought, you know what? It's just a safe place to go and, and talk and riff about anything. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, we inspire each other through our stories. And getting to know you has inspired me to start the podcast as well. You're one of my inspirations. And so us bouncing off each other is actually really exciting. So... Tom, tell me, tell me what you want to do with this new uh, program that you got to start. Yeah, I mean, the idea came up. Well, I'll go in the backstory that I'm creating a, a new uh, internet radio show called The Heavy Mental Health uh, Show, riffing with Tom Dutta, The Quiet Warrior. And for those who don't know, I, I've, I've already host a, a show called The Quiet Warrior Show, which is where I'll be releasing tomorrow a an epic interview that you and I did. And I want everybody to go and find that, check it out. It's a great story. And the the whole idea of heavy mental health was I just did a TED Talk and my TED Talk revealed uh, my real story, my life story about being a, a leader in business. And since I was a kid dealing with some forms of you know mental health. And I was referred recently by my psychiatrist uh, and you got to get one of these. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, to to take a course called CBT, right, and cognitive behavioral therapy. And when I say that, people go, "Ooh, therapy." There's something wrong with him. And the truth is, cognitive behavioral therapy. I didn't know what it was. I thought, well, it sounds kind of sexy. It's only three letters. I can remember that, and it's once a week. <laughs> so I went, and nine weeks. I graduated last week, and what I learned in that course blew my mind. And there's a couple things that happened at the end of the course that planted a seed that I want to do something with this. And as I wrapped up my TED Talk, the through line on my TED Talk was it's okay to say when you're not okay. But here's the rub. Most people don't feel that it's okay when they're not okay just to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that I personally struggle with that as well. I mean, we've all been through a stigma of not wanting to open up, being scared of what people may think. And, and so this podcast that I'm doing is trying to break the stigma and this is what I'm so excited about is that now you also want to continue that journey and explore way more avenues of what you've learned and share with other people to educate them. Yeah, exactly. You know, so example of riffing, and maybe I'll talk about what happened at the end of that course, if you want to know about that. Uh, which would be great, yes. Which is really the seed planted to start my other show, which by the way, will be I'll be recording content and, and probably launching in the next couple months as part of my platform. But but riffing, what is it? Well, you 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 introduce yourself as James Kasha. And the first thing that popped in my head, because I grew up listening to Johnny Cash, so I'm going like, okay, this, right now you're standing in front of me here, we're in the studio and you've got black all over. So I thought of Johnny Cash. 
And then I thought about this, that Johnny Cash, the movie that came out about his life, I didn't know, but I grew up listening to him because my dad had eight-track tapes playing. You know what eight-track tapes are? You probably don't remember what those are. They're about the size of a fridge, and you stick them in this funny box. And we used to drive in my dad's truck, and my dad played, you know, everything from Chet Atkins' guitar music to Johnny Cash, the man in black. And I loved his music, but when I saw his show... The show portrayed his real life and what was going on in his life. He was a raging alcoholic. He was in trouble. He was on drugs. And he had all this pent-up anger underlying behind that was also mental health. He wasn't a healthy man. So that's what riffing is. You might say something to me and I might take it in a completely different direction in my head, which is what you know anxiety and depression and things does. It's false truths that send us in different directions. So just talking about things. But let's talk about the... The, the the CBT course. So as we finished the course, uh, it was such an awesome experience. And we were, we went round table and the two practitioners were teaching it. One was a psychiatrist, one was a medical doctor. And you have to be diagnosed with a form of mental health situation uh, to get into this course. And normally the course would cost thousands. It's covered, you know, thank God, by our medical system. So I said to my doc, I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm a lifelong learner. And so we were asked at the end to go around the table and talk about what worked well. And so they said, in 10 words or less, what worked, what did you like or what worked well? And this one woman spoke up and she said, she said her 10 words and she said, why aren't we teaching this? Why doesn't everybody have access to this course? She said, my kids in school, she said, everybody should learn these things, these basic skills about how we use our brain to think. And the answer was, well, you have to be diagnosed by your physician with a, a condition. Uh, because we're doctors. And it just sent me off in a different direction in my head. Now, I'm not criticizing the doctors. That's the little fiefdom they create. But the truth is, I can go online and I can find a course called CBT and pay some money and take it, get a certificate to teach it. Now, this is not medical advice. Nothing I say on this podcast or on my new show is going to be medical advice. But these are skills. And so it's no different than saying your gym... You go to the gym, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, your your gym only allows people to have memberships who are healthy and fit. <laughs> <laughs> they take everybody. This is the point. That'd be a really good business model. I mean, half your gym would die. But <laughs> people go to the gym, or some of them are already fit, but it's maintenance of health. Well, why don't we teach skills to maintain mental health? And then the last thing that was said in this course that I remember was everybody, mental health is a human condition. We all have it. So then- it sent me on this confusion. And Tony Robbins says, if you're confused, you're about to have a breakthrough. Well, wait a minute. If mental health is a human condition, we all have it, like we have a brain, why is there a stigma from talking about it? And if skills are out there that 50% of people who take CBT skills learn to retrain their brain to think, and it helps them, why are we putting barriers to getting access to it? Why aren't we getting people like Tom to teach it? Now, I, I can't copy that, that course, but I learned enough through my experiences and what I did with the work and have the blessing of the, the, uh, the people I've learned from that, that I can, I can teach and use it in what I do. As long as I don't copy my workbook and hand it out to people, I can talk about it. I did this and it helped me. So that was the idea. So you want to know about the title of the show? I do. I mean, obviously, it's from the sound of it, you grew up with heavy metal. And that's something you really enjoyed. Break it down. How about you tell me about some of your favorite bands that inspired you as a kid? Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, I grew up with heavy metal as an understatement. So I, I'll just go back that when I was 16 years old, I had my first little car. It was a red maroon Chevrolet Chevette. 1982, my father, as good a man as he was, I said, Dad, I need some money to buy a car. He took me to the Delta Credit Union and said, here, son, I'll co-sign a loan for you. And the interest rate was 22%. <laughs> and I went, you mother. And of course, this is a family show. Uh, my dad died in January 18. I love my dad, but you know, at least he co-signed for it. So that's using my mental health skills to look at the good. But it was $163 a month payment. And so I, I went to school, high school, and I worked in the evening at a place called Surrey Tax Center. Now, if anybody knows Surrey, it's where you get your taxes filed. And so for all of you listening to me, if you don't file your taxes, please don't call in. Shame on you. <laughs> but no, the world gives you tools to not to minimize the tax pay. You have a responsibility. But anyway, there back then there really the internet hadn't popped up. So there's me and, and we're the bunch of people and we're called T1 tax clerks. And 5:30 to 10:30 every night after school, I'm going there to file tax returns. And if you just picture these are long rows of file cabinets. I mean, as long as you can look like in some FBI movie where you see all their files, it never ends. And we literally would be given bundles wrapped together in rubber bands of 50, 100, 200 T1 tax returns, paper. And we had to sort them into alpha order and then put them in our right arm under our, uh, you know, under our forearm and walk these aisles and file them. I mean, talk about exciting, right? I think back then that's when I started getting unstable in my mental health. It's like <laughs> boredom. But we were filing. So one day I'm down the aisle and there's this noise coming from the end of the aisle and there's this young guy and his name's Al and... Well, because that's what his name was. And, and and Al was short and kind of stocky. He was built like, you know, my dad would say a brick shit house. He was built like, you know, he was a rugby player, uh, shoulder length, brown hair, European kind of look. And I heard this noise. I went closer and he had a Sony Walkman on. Now, I know, I know. Back then there were no iPods. So Sony Walkman and you had your little cassette tape. You stuck. I still got, got my, remember my first one. You know, you move and it skips a beat and, <laughs> you know, you want to, you miss something and you want to fast forward and you're, anyway. So that was cool. I was one of the cool kids. I had a Sony Walkman because I worked hard and saved my money. And so I go by Al and I go, turn it down. What are you listening to? And it sounded like a bunch of noise coming out of it. And he was listening. That's the first introduction to heavy metal. I liked all genres. I mean, I had vinyl records and eventually CD collections. I really like country music because the thing about country music I like is everything ends with was broke. My truck was broke. My car was broke. <laughs> my marriage was broke. And back then, I guess I was hovering to everything broken because someone, something in me was broken. But then the good news is they were able to get the truck back, right? So the truck was broke. Da, 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 da. Yeah, my truck I came it, back. Yeah. <laughs> oh so I, I listened to all sorts of genres, rock and roll particularly as well, Led Zeppelin and bands like that, Electric Light. I mean, some of the genres that people don't talk about. But heavy metal was different. And so Al would listen to Iron Maiden. It was his favorite band. And that's when I first discovered what headbanging is. is some of these, when you go to a concert, it's just guys up on stage going crazy on electric guitars and all this noise coming out of them. You, sometimes you can't even hear the lyrics. It's so loud. And the audience, if you look at them, their heads are banging back and forth. And there's this energy that comes out of heavy metal music, it, almost like this chaotic energy that you, literally lifts you up. But it's, it's confusion. And you have to really stop and slow it down, dial it down, and listen to the lyrics and understand the riffs of the music. It's really quite creative. And so when I thought about it, well, people who have anxiety, I deal with generalized anxiety, uh, and I'm going through recovery from depression from a concussion I had a couple of years ago. So I'm learning a lot of things, but people who have 
mental health, what it really is to have anxiety, James, is it's when your thoughts don't slow down. There's too many thoughts going on and the, the chemical in the brain that slows down thoughts get you in the part of the brain that causes you to stop and pause and think about thoughts. It doesn't work as well. If something's changed, it can come from many reasons. And it'll happen to anybody, anybody listening to this, if you don't deal with it, it can happen to you from life circumstances, uh, genetics as well. So I thought heavy metal and heavy mental, that's pretty cool. So that's where the idea came up, heavy mental. And the whole idea is that, you know, what you get is going to be confusion. Uh, but on the show, we're going to teach through, you know, just riffing about stuff and hopefully have some fun doing it. So as long as you'll have me, I'll come back as long, frequently as you want to do the heavy mental series on your show and uh, we're partnering. So when I launched the new podcast, uh, I just want to confirm that I've asked James to be the the major sponsor. So his podcast is sponsor mine. And I plan to take this globally everywhere I can with all my other work. Which is so exciting, Tom. And I'm, I'm more than honored um, to have that invitation from you. And I look forward to doing more headbanging, so to speak, mentally. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, try, you, you know, we still have a bit of time. Try, you just, like, this, is, this is your time with me. And what I hope is that when I come on, maybe in the time I've been away, you, something will stick in your mind that you want to throw at me. And it can be anything. It can be learning about anything at all uh, or just thoughts you've had that you wanted to you know, challenge me with. So You know what, Tom, the, the, now you say that uh, one did come to mind is – I want you to break me break down a day for me when you're just not feeling like getting up and out of bed and you know you have a lot to do in that day. Walk me through the steps you take to rebuild your confidence and to move forward through something that you're struggling with. Well, I mean, how'd you know that was today? <laughs> and we actually, I told you this off the line, right? I, I said to James, everybody, that this morning I had... I had booked this this interview with him and I woke up with this feeling and when you deal with anxiety or even some depression and you just don't know sometimes why. And uh, there's actually a formula that uh, you can explain anxiety with, which I'll do on another time. And so sometimes it happens. I remember wanting to cancel this interview and say to you, let's just do it another time. And what I used to do in my career is I used to, cancel meetings or make excuses. And sometimes I'd have other people in my life cover up for that and just help me. I wouldn't tell the truth because of the stigma. You know, people don't understand. What do you mean you're you're not feeling it's overwhelming? So how do I deal with it? Well, there's one, there's, a, there's actually a, a, a learning from my CBT course called the false promise of avoidance. And so all those people out there dealing with the false promise of avoidance, what, it, what that actually means is, the easiest way we can avoid feelings, when feelings create uh, emotions such as shame, uh, there's many different emotions. The negative ones are ones that cause our behavior to go sometimes in a direction that's not rational. So I have a thought, you know, I don't understand my thoughts. The first thing is I'm just going to avoid doing the interview and let's just cancel it. Versus pausing and saying, wait a minute, let's step away from my thoughts so I become focused as in the moment as Tom, and I think back about the thoughts, and, the, and I start processing that. So let's take a look at that. I woke up and, you know, the interview's in two hours. So do I really want to cancel it? So let's take a look at what's driving that. What, what's making me want to cancel it? I don't know. Uh, how bad can it be if I sit in a room for a half hour and talk with James? Yeah, it's actually fun. And when I look at the facts, when I like talking 
and getting together and being interviewed. So that's really positive. And then after I have a few hours before I have to get to work. So I have time to have a nap, relax, do some fun things. So that's kind of cool. And then, you know, my friend James, he's a good guy and I don't want to let him down. And so if I cancel it, you know, he's busy and we may not get to doing this. Uh, so I really want to do it. The worst that can happen is we get in a room and I, you know, I have difficulty and we just decide just to spend some time together. So by, by actually, you know, stepping back and pausing and thinking about your thought, the thought is a kernel of truth and it's surrounded by this, what they call a circle of interpretation. And I won't get into what is in influencing, but a lot of times it's past experiences and things that are wired in us that makes us feel a certain way. We don't even know it. So stop, pause, analyze, find the truth of the facts, and then you respond versus reacting. So my reaction would have been cancel this and lie and make up another time. My response is no, continue, let's do this. Worst can happen, we just have fun. And uh, after I have lots of time to rest and, uh, you know, and just get over it. And so we've been together since 8.30 this morning. And we talked about tons of stuff. And my groceries were delivered to my house in between. So, you know, James helped me put my groceries away. I mean, it was a great experience. And you shared some things with me too about your life that had happened. So, you know, this now has energized me. And what, I, what you realize is that here's the thing about the false promise of avoidance. It actually uh, feeds the monster of mental health. So if you think about this, one of the things that creates good mental health is connecting to people. There's science behind it. There's a good TED Talk on this. It's counterintuitive for introverts, but when you connect to people, whether it's a community, a peer group, or just you and I like this riffing, it creates chemicals in the brain that make you feel good, you know, provided it's not somebody pathological who's going who's gonna to tear you down and maybe make you feel bad. But when you, the connection, human connection creates chemicals in our brain that makes us feel positive. When you live your life, like most people in mental health do, and avoiding, we think if we avoid, we're going to feel better. We actually, our life becomes very small. It becomes a window where we go to work, we go home, we sit in our house, and that's it. And then when we step back and we think about it, of all the things in the world that are out there beyond our little home and our job or wherever we go in the day, the world is unlimited. It's the universe. And learning new things creates strong feelings of happiness doing joyful things. I call them uh, nutritious things or nourishing things like going out and, you know, for me going out and, and shopping at the grocery store to buy stuff to make a nice meal for somebody or whatever your passion is. But if you are living with false promise of avoidance, you've convinced yourself that the easiest way to deal with people problems, uh, your own thoughts is not to explore it, but just to run away from it. And I can tell you that every point, every time that you take that react path, you're just digging a hole deeper and deeper. It's hard work, but we need to force ourselves to take the other path, which is to respond. So my advice to your listeners is open up the world and, you know, start, start unraveling what really makes you feel, you know, like not getting through your day. And you'll find if you sit back and look at it, and maybe with a little bit of help uh, to process it, it's really not that bad. You know what, Tom, I, I love what you just said because it really took me to um, a lot of things in my own life uh, that I relate to. I, I definitely took the path of avoidance for most of my life. Whenever I get days off, there'd be times I didn't even want to leave the house, have any interaction with anybody else because I wanted to avoid anything that could potentially make me feel bad. And 
getting to know you and having you help push me through these different boundaries has helped me so much in so many ways. Because just like you said, it's like if we limit ourselves, it keeps making us feel worse. And sometimes all you need to do is just leave the house and do something active and look for the positive in things as well, like Tom was saying as well. He wanted to do this interview, regardless of how he felt. He didn't want to let me down, all these other things, which I would have been totally fine if we just sat in this room and just chatted. Well, that's awesome. And I'm looking forward to coming back. I'm looking forward to coming back again and riffing with you on the Heavy Mental series on your podcast. Well, that about does it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed and know there's more to come. Thank you.